Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Underground Church Podcast. I'm James, and we got my brother Abraham on the mic as well. What's up, guys? And today we're going to be discussing Yuri Bezmenov. So, Abraham, tell us who this gentleman is. So, Yuri Bezmenov, this is him when he was doing the lecture circuit in the United States. And some of you guys might know who he is. He went by two monikers. Yuri Bezmenov was his real name. And Thomas Schumann was his pen name. And the crazy thing about Yuri Bezmenov is that he predicted so many of the cultural and societal changes that were to happen from the 1960s all the way to now, especially when we're considering various ideologies that have become the norm nowadays. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but let's talk about Mr. Bezmenov. So when he was younger, he was part of the KGB. And as far as I know, he wasn't a KGB officer, but he was part of the KGB propaganda arm in India. So, Hmm. you know, he was writing newspaper articles to reflect the best interests of Russia and all this kind of stuff. We're going to get into what they were actually doing. But basically what happened with him was eventually he realized that this communist ideology, what he was doing, he realized was wrong. So what he did was he disguised himself as a hippie. And of course, he was in India and he somehow escaped to Canada because he knew that the United States, all to get into the United States, because he knew that the United States, he believed that the United States was the last bastion for ideological freedom and for freedom of expression and for freedom to even exercise logic and to actually think without being thought policed. So this book right here, this is kind of his, I guess, most well-known and most well-regarded work. And he titled it A Love Letter to America because he wanted to prevent the stuff that he knew was going to happen from happening. And that's why he, at first, I think, while he was in Canada, he tried to start a radio show and he kept getting deplatformed. And so he actually went from Canada to the United States and he started going on lectures to try to educate people on what was going on, on how the powers that be, right, say right now is the media and so many of the people in power right now are trying to do. He was basically going, hey, watch out for these specific things because they're going to try to do this to ruin your culture so that your culture could be conquered just over 50 years with minimal bloodshed, with a complete overtaking of American values, American freedom, through subversive ideological processes. Hmm. I think it's interesting to point out the accuracy of his predictions. Yeah, and the thing is, his predictions were not just random, prophetic images. They were systematic. And Hmm. this is a chart called The Subversive Process, and it is part of the book. And this is him laying out exactly how the powers that be would attempt to change the American values of freedom, pursuit of truth, free thought, free speech, into something that has become now thought policing, total ideological polarization, lack Mm -hmm. of free thinking, lack of actual debate, as we kind of covered a little bit last podcast. And this... Yuri Bezmenov was saying 
takes a process of years. That's why we have to watch out for this because even this one period called demoralization takes 15 to 20 years, he said. And this entire process, we're talking a period of 30 years. Basically what Bezmenov was saying is that when you're trying to subvert an entire culture, that process takes four phases. And the process that takes the longest is called demoralization, and it takes 15 to 20 years. The second stage is called destabilization. It takes two to five years. And then right after that is crisis, which he says takes two to six months. And finally, normalization, where all these changes are cemented and normalized. So what are some tangible examples of each of these that we can provide that people can relate to or understand that they can look back and actually see these things happening in American culture, for example? For example, one of the biggest issues we're seeing is the normalization of LGBTQ and sexual education for children that are not even close to that of adolescence. Physically, they are not even close to understanding or beginning to understand their sexuality because they have not. And yet, for the past, how long? Maybe five to ten years? They have been slowly funneling in and slowly kind of sexualizing children. You know, nowadays you even have kindergartners, and you guys can look this up. It's all in the news, kindergartners, and they're being given courses. They bring in a guest speaker, and they talk to these kindergartners about anal sex and about various other things that they don't understand, trying to normalize this. So that's something we're seeing right now that is going on. Yuri Bezvinov actually noted that part of this process this ideological subversion infiltration process from the communist system, not just specific to Russia, right? Leaders around the world, not all of them, but leaders around the world who have this goal of pushing Marxist-Leninist ideology. So Bezvanov pointed out that the LGBTQ agenda was part of it, but what would eventually inevitably happen is that these rights that the LGBTQ people are fighting for will be taken away from them as well because everybody is going to be in subjection to the state. And freedom of speech, which correlates to freedom of thought, independent thinking, being able to believe what you want to believe and not just be brainwashed believing whatever the state forces on you. These will be taken away from everybody. And so... It's funny, uh, in some interviews, Bezvanov states that. He says that as soon as they think that they've won their rights, everything will now be subverted for everybody. That's right. And he said that the powers that be called them useful idiots because they use these issues, these polarizing issues, as a means to completely shift the culture's tone. And like James said, these very people that were standing up for what they believed were right, this LGBTQ stuff, immediately became marginalized during the normalization process. It's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. So they're the ones who are calling them idiots while pretending to fight for their rights when they're setting this up, right? Yeah, supporting them, funding them, having these you know, kindergarten 
visitations happen. These are things that normal people are doing, but they're in such a large scale. And I think it's also important to point out right here that not everybody in leadership positions are all behind this same ideology. That's right. Not everybody believes in the soft leading into it will be socialism. Not everybody believes in socialism, but socialism will then, in this agenda, inevitably prepare everyone to accept Marxist, Leninist ideologies. Right? Yeah. So not everybody in leadership position is behind that. But this is a real thing that Yuri Bezvanov is just one example we're focusing on right now that got it right. A lot of the things he predicted are now shown to be staggeringly accurate. Yeah, what we're talking about is the slow emergence of a society that ceases to value truth. The slow emergency, right. the slow emergence of a society that shuts down free thinkers or people that are seeking truth. When we're talking about Marxism-Leninism, we're talking about an ideology that is antagonistic to free speech and to free thought. Just wanted right. to clarify. And we're seeing more and more of these values being championed by the left now, right? Yes. These Marxist-Leninist values that, by their nature, are anti-independent thought. And so they oftentimes are placing an overemphasis on emotions, feelings, to where that is now their truth, right? Exactly. Over facts. And this is something that we definitely can segue into right now. So really, if you'll notice, as just one example, in the political system, there is this increasing divide between the conservatives and the new liberals. Really, they're more leftist now because the whole political spectrum, as we've spoken about in previous podcasts, has shifted to the left. So the new left is really, really off in the distance to the left comparatively to 10 or 20 years ago even. So we have this uh, increasing divide between the conservatives who are now trying to hold their ground for fundamental truths rooted in facts, rooted in logic, further and further divided away from the left, which is now more rooted in fighting for, if you feel a certain way, everyone's emotions need to be protected. It doesn't matter what they believe. That is truth subjectively for them. On the surface level, that's how it's presented. So it doesn't sound so bad when you say it like that from the leftist perspective, right? It's like, oh yeah, you know, everybody should be able to feel and believe whatever, but that's not really what's going on. Yeah, because... Once we begin to accommodate every single feeling in the world, then we are left with no facts. We are left with no room for debate. Exactly. Because the nature of emotion and feeling is that it's coming from slightly more of a primal instinct where you are naturally going to feel defensive towards opinions and beliefs that differ from your own. It's natural because you're in your feelings. So you're going to feel that it's a threat, outside opinions, different opinions. They might even be perceived by your emotions as an attack on your very character because you're in those feelings. Whereas if you are coming at things with more of a intellectual mindset, you know, how do we describe that? Let's just use a concrete example like the law of gravitation, right? So before, it was just the fact that you know, things just fall. And Isaac Newton 
found out that there was actually a gravitational constant. And also, eventually, these theories came to be that, oh, feathers don't fall slower than, you know, certain other objects just because it has less mass, but also there's, you know, air resistance and all this kind of stuff. And imagine right. if you were an alchemist or something like that, talking about the four elements and, you know, things that just are not scientific. And someone comes up and goes, hey, the theory of gravity is quantifiable and this is science, right? Imagine these philosophical, they call themselves natural philosophers. Imagine some of these natural philosophers who have built their entire careers making these non-factual estimations or, you know, fantastical explanations why feathers fall slower than bowling balls, right? Feathers fall slower than apples. And Newton goes, no, you're wrong. This is the truth. Those people right. felt threatened. Those Absolutely people, right. Those people felt, wait, my career, you know, the, their careers were on the line, their reputations were on the line. To them, it was not about truth. It was about protecting themselves. And in right. the end, how many modern technologies were possible just from Newton quantifying the phenomenon of gravity, the law of gravitation? You know, this is important to point out. Yeah. The reason why they are so scared is because of a more leftist system that they're involved in. Because if they're involved in a more balanced system, they wouldn't be afraid of readjusting for the truth because the repercussions for that are not going to be nearly as strong. Everybody will have the independent thinking ability to assess this new information and we can all adjust as a society together. But the problem with the leftist, this leftist version of society is that it literally scares people from change because when somebody discovers a new truth and they present this information, like you said, Abraham, oh, it's threatening now. Why? Because people look around at other people and they think, well, these people are not going to be able to think for themselves and come to this new observation of reality. And so since they're not going to be able to accept this, if I suddenly shift, then I might lose my job. I mean, see, it's all embedded in the culture. This is why everything is connected to everything else. So, Yeah, this process of cultural subversion happens in three areas, in the areas of ideas, in people's ideologies, in people's structure, such as the legal system, such as politics and all that. So it's going to infiltrate the very families, religious cultures, church families, church cultures as well. And we've been seeing this for the past, yeah, past half a century. So let's go down the list. He's saying the first thing that they're going to target, the first thing that's going to be targeted is religion. Religion is going to be politicized, it's going to be commercialized, and it's going to become a form of entertainment. And for the past decades, we've seen just that. We've seen a sensationalization of the church, not a place of, say, studying the Bible and understanding spiritual truths, biblical truths, but a place of entertainment, a place to raise money. Right. Right. And you know what? Let me go ahead and point this out as yeah. well. Recently, I have had some conversations with some more conservative churchgoers. And by conservative in this particular instance, I mean culturally conservative. They were concerned. They were saying, 
it seems like you guys are putting an overemphasis on some flashy, entertaining type of stuff. And just keep in mind, UGC is not like an official church in terms of like you attend church on Sundays. This is just more of a podcast. And we also have video Bible studies as well. Just a place where people can go after church and turn on a video, kick back, and hear some perspectives that are not openly talked about as much today because of this ideology that is becoming more prevalent in church, right? So that's kind of what we're doing. And also, you know, just to point out, I was saying this as well to some of these guys, but, you know, if you notice, we have an intro and then we'll have a little bit of an outro. Maybe they're around like 20 or 30 seconds. It's art that is also painting with imagery some of the spiritual things that are happening, maybe some spiritual battle, things that are happening around us. It's visualizing that. But the majority of the content, 90% plus of the content is us really getting into, into things here. So I got to point that out because that has been that has been a concern that has been raised by some people. So anyways, yeah, but let's go ahead. What we're doing here, we're, we're trying to make truth accessible. And we're trying right. to, like James said, provide perspectives that may have been lost for the past few decades. What Bezmanov was talking about when turning religion into a commercial endeavor, a political endeavor, and an entertainment endeavor, he was saying that what's going to happen is they're going to make the church, the church is going to become a place devoid of meaning, devoid of truth, and devoid of anything to do with the Bible. And mm. he's saying that the result of that, this empty religion, and so... When religion becomes subverted, what happens is these people are lacking true meaning. They're lacking truth. So the result, Bezmanov argues, is that they begin to have a death wish. They begin to have a death wish, you said. That's kind of interesting. Can you expound on that? So basically what ends up happening is life ends up losing meaning. Because the very places that people go, the very individuals that they look to, instead of going to the gospel and the Bible, they look to these people who are in it to entertain people in the sense that, okay, we're just going to make you feel better, right? Instead of showing them, hey, this is what life really is. They're sucking people's meaning out. They're sucking out the meaning of life. So all there is is a confrontation of death. And there is no hope because there is no gospel. All we can rely on now is, oh, all I have to do is be a good person and feel good. Right. And to those of you who are in the know, we know that that is not true. That is not the gospel because we are not perfect people and we need to turn to Jesus Christ to get salvation. And so when religion loses all of its meaning and all of its gospel life affirming substance, all we have are empty institutions with emotion devoid of substance. The underlying foundation of truth that is supposed to be enlightening and growing these communities is now replaced with simply a place for everyone to gather and relate with similar people. Really, it's just a place for people to bring their work culture into church or just things that are happening outside of church. It's just a place for those people to now gather. And you know what's funny, too, is I've heard this a lot, that the idea is that, you know, the world is stressful. And so people just need a place where they can come 
they're worried about their paycheck for the rest of the week. So they need to come here and they just need a place where they can be told just how much God loves them. You see what's happening is uh, it's just a social club for many churches, not all of them, but for many churches, it is really just a social club now for them to bring everything that's going on outside of church into the church, kick back, relax in church. And now there's an emptiness because it becomes where you're actually kicking out the truth because truth is going to grow you. It's going to challenge you. And people should love this. This is something that people should absolutely seek after is growth. You got to love the grinds. You got to love the pain. You know what I'm saying? You got to learn to face it. That's a part of growing up is that you face the pain. And at first, it's scary, right? When you have to readjust your worldview a little bit because you're confronted with new realities, with new truths, this is scary. But you learn that it's actually not this big Goliath that I thought it was. And then you see the fruits of how it betters you to face that pain. And what happens is you realize, oh, it didn't kill me. It made me stronger. And so you're confronted with new truths. God puts new truths in your path. And now the process accelerates a little bit faster because you're realizing you're getting a stride going and you're like, oh, I'm growing. I'm changing. This is how it works. This is how enlightenment works. But now what we have in our culture is the exact opposite that the left is bringing in. And they're protecting themselves. These communities, even church communities, will protect themselves from biblical truths. Why? We were told literally by some leaders simply because it could cause unrest, potential arguments, division. Those things will naturally happen. They're not always permanent, right? When you get in an argument over something, sometimes that's necessary. It's actually biblical too, because it says for certain peoples, the apostle Paul, for example, debated with the Grecians in Athens, I believe. And so that's sometimes, not all the time, but that's sometimes a necessary process by which we have to learn, right? As we go back and forth. And it's so funny. We live in such a pacified culture now because everybody has been protected for so long from facing harsh truths, from facing pain and growing. For example, I play the guitar. If I stop playing the guitar for a long period of time, the calluses on my fingers go away. And now I pick up the guitar again, maybe a couple months later, and now my fingers hurt from even playing the guitar for five minutes. It hurts. It's painful, right? But I have to get those calluses back. And once they come back, I can play the guitar for hours on end and feel nothing, right? So that's how I get better at playing the guitar. And so what's funny is you said this culture, and Yuri Bezvanov mentioned it, that this subversion takes multiple generations. So it's sad for our current generation because the young people don't even realize what they've been born into and they've been pacified. They've been overly protected, treated like babies, even when they might be adults with this overemphasis on protect their emotions, protect their feelings. The world revolves around feelings. Look, feelings are important. I'm a musician, right? I understand I'm more in tune with my own feelings as well as I have a stronger ability to empathize with others than most because I'm an artist, because I'm a musician. But culture has gotten so out of balance that now even somebody like me who understands these things, if I simply start talking about truths, it's so offensive to people because they're facing pain and growth that's threatening to their inner emotions, their emotional state, right? And so now we become the enemy to some people because of this. 
So you can see how this process works. This is what's so dangerous about it is now truths for churches are being kept out of the church. You got to realize this, you know, and then now it's all emotions all the time. So people, they don't have the practice in like I play the guitar. So they lose the ability to think independently. And so it just becomes this fear. It becomes a fear of like, is that going to offend people around me if I perhaps consider that view? I, I don't even want to think down that road because what if I believe what he's saying? What if I believe what James and Abraham are saying? And it causes me to be separated from my community because, I mean, nobody else. So now they have to be silent. Some of the people, they believe what we're saying, but they haven't spoken up. You see how dangerous and how this is really a wicked society. Mm -hmm. You know, this version of society that we're speaking of here is truly wicked and it's unbiblical. And at a certain age, it becomes culturally normative to socialize with others with an abundance of euphemisms, right? Meaning speaking directly is rude. It's a little bit too harsh. You know, it's socially tactless. These are the concepts, right? That come from this leftist ideology because, oh, you know, you're not considering other people's feelings. You're rude. Everything has to be replaced with a euphemism, with a softer, passive, alternative version of getting that message across to somebody where you're, you're, you're trying to protect their feelings. And if you see the fruits of this culture is, it creates more and more lazy, flaky people that you simply can't rely on. They don't have any kind of toughness to them to be able to address challenges in life because life is a battle, man. Life is not easy. <laughs> and so as adults, we should have already been prepared for this but many adults are just kids, you know, in terms of they might sound like if they're a man, they might sound like they talk with a deep voice. If they're a woman, they might look like a woman. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? This is the culture that we live in now. And so, you know, what's funny is I was living in California for a while right before I went into the Air Force because I did work for a little while in the Air Force. I'm now a veteran. I've been a veteran for a while. But when I was first going into basic training, because I came from such a lefty state, I remember that I myself couldn't even see the way I had been indoctrinated and brainwashed with some of these cultural social norms, because I had been almost punished for every time I was a little bit too direct. I was told that that was equated to being rude or, you know, toxic masculinity or something, Ooh. right? And so, right. So what ended up happening is, in basic training, there were people from other states, from other cultures within those states. And basic training, now you're being trained to be a soldier, right? So they're going to toughen you up. They're going to break you down and toughen you up and build you back up. And so all of these far left ideologies were really squashed out of me. And I was surprised because I didn't know what was going on when I first arrived there. And I had a friend of mine at one point, he recognized what was going on and he walked over to me and he was like, James, fix my collar. Because this is something we do in basic training is we keep each other accountable. If somebody's suit has, you know, a collar that may be flipped up in the back, but they can't see it, you're supposed to call that out and say, hey, you know, keep your collar and check there. So he said, James, fix my collar. And I was like, my response initially was more passive. It was kind of like, uh, how do I say this without being rude? Right. I want to be caring. But really, you're not being caring. You've just been thought policed your whole life that you can't be yourself. You can't express yourself honestly anymore because you're taught that that's evil. 
And so you see how controlling this ideology is. But, you know, he had to keep telling me, James, fix my collar. He was like, look, I'll show you how to do it. So he like reached out and he patted me really strongly on the collar. And he was like, James, fix your collar. Did that kill you? And I was like, nah, I'm good. All right, now do it to me. Fix my collar. Okay. You know, so I said, fix your collar. And he was like, you're a man. You don't have to be ashamed of being a man. Tell me to fix my collar. So eventually I was like, hey man, fix your collar. And I patted him on the collar and he was like, nice. How do you feel? And I was like, I feel better. That's naturally how I would do something. You know, it's not so offensive. It's not like I hurt him. I'm just being myself, man. I'm calling something out that I saw and it shouldn't kill him either. It didn't kill me when he did that to me. You see, and that's just something that is not even that difficult. There are so many tough things about life that we go through, but our generations are now being prepared to be so pacified. They're unprepared for the tough things in life, especially as Christians. We go through a different level of difficulty because we're in a spiritual war. So this is what has happened to the churches. Many of these churches are so out of balance. Right? And so what's funny is the natural reaction from the churches who have sound doctrine, who are aware of some of these things, right, is they are now hyper-protective in a different way where they're kind of like now hoarding the truth. They're like, we're not going to fall away into all of this craziness because believe it or not, they're aware of most of these things. They're now hoarding their truth and they're associating it with all of their culturally conservative standards of dress and these other things, Right. Now it's the separation that's happening in the church where ultra conservative cultured Baptists, for example, they're just preaching against all of the other churches in a way where there can't be a reconciliation there and a communication back and forth to bring things back to balance. As the body of Christ, we have many members. So that's kind of the point that we're trying to do is we're trying to be more of a little bit of that bridge. Anyways, that's the idea. Exactly, and that leads us perfectly into the media. So what ends up happening when you're educated in a permissive, relative, feeling-based way? Not only is the end result ignorance, but what ends up happening is you begin to monopolize your expression. So what if someone goes against you? Well, the platform. It becomes manipulative, like we were talking about before. You end up using emotional arguments rather than logical arguments. Instead of actually debating... They discredit, they attempt to discredit the other people, right? And they use non-issues. Like, for example, oh, you believe in God, then we don't believe you, period. If we look at even the larger scale, what are we seeing? We're seeing these massive media institutions, these channels, and they're all saying the same thing. And we're seeing more and more people actually getting deplatformed off of YouTube. We talked about the shadow banning on Twitter and Instagram before right? These are not the actions of platforms that promote free speech. Right. These and let me are- go ahead and break down exactly what is happening with that. And what that is, is as society becomes more and more babyish because they have not been through this toughening up process of facing reality. Now these big companies have to police and protect their feelings more and more and more as they get more and more babyish and babyish and babyish. And now the hyper-censorship and protection because they're afraid, oh no, this person said something that this other group over here might get offended by. We don't want to create a commotion on our platform, so we got to censor that. You see, so they just more and more censorship. Then everybody gets more and more babyish because they're being protected from facing harsh realities in life. They don't grow up 
Now you protect them more and more. This is how it happens. I'm explaining how it happens. And now if you look throughout the history of the United States, why is it that we have so many accomplishments under our belt? Some of the best inventors, innovative thinkers came from the United States. It's because we had a free society, free speech, meaning free thought. So now you have these short-sighted, uninformed societal members, right? And it gets even worse. So how do we fill that void? And Besmanov said, well, through culture, by establishing false heroes and role models so that mm. now these masses who are now ignorant of the truth, who do not seek anything more than their emotional needs, and they don't seek anything beyond themselves, they don't seek any truth, and they're uninformed. What happens? How do you keep them in line? Well, the Avengers, you set up superheroes that don't exist, right? You set mm. up role models who have done very, almost nothing for society, and you marginalize those that actually have. Say you marginalize your police, you marginalize your military, right? You marginalize the very people championing free speech, and you replace them with false heroes, role models that don't promote your actual growth and that everybody gets into, right? right? Fewer and fewer people who actually are real woke. Okay, we're not talking about the term now used by leftists as yep. everything is now backwards by definition, right? So the definitions of very words are oftentimes upside down. And real people who are real woke, who understand the things that we spoke about in this podcast, they oftentimes will be hoarding those truths and they're only going to let people in on how they're controlling society by using this information nefariously, not like us, right? We are Christians, but some of these people are using this information. They know this, they know this has been happening. And so they indoctrinate each other into some of these circles, right? And so they hoard this knowledge to themselves while keeping everybody else ignorance in the dark. So now in order to keep this society going, because it's drifted so far, it's difficult to redeem because now change is this giant that's going to cause so many repercussions because people are not prepared to fix things back to the norm again. They're not prepared to do that. So now it's just you have to perpetuate that culture forward where there has to now be these small circles of people who know this, who now have to keep everybody else in the dark. That's the wickedness. And it's here's the thing. It's unnecessary, right? It's unnecessary because there are different forms of society. There are different versions of society, such as demonstrated by the United States of America up until now, that work better for everybody. Yeah, so why don't we actually see a real-world example? Let's see what the fruits of having been subjected to this subversion process. Let's see what happens. We're not trying to make fun of this individual or anything like that. We're just saying, hey, currently this is what people are saying. It's about your hat and the way it makes people feel because it incites fear in all those around us. So this guy is wearing a Make America Great Again hat. It's, you know, it's just a hat, right? And she is saying that it's making her afraid, right? I like how you're defining this, man. It's just a hat. That's exactly what it is. And now she's afraid. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's just a hat. And it represents an idea, just like how the American flag represents an idea. So every person is afraid I'm of that hat. I'm I am afraid of that hat. Keep America great. For so many people, that's racism. 
So for many people, that's racism. Yeah, but that's because of the mainstream media's narrative that's painted Donald Trump as a racist. I don't agree with the, I don't agree with the narrative. I'm out here to try to share that my that, that narrative is skewed. So he's trying to argue that that narrative, he's trying to initiate a debate. He's trying to be logical and open up a discussion. He's now, trying to argue. He, yeah. <laughs> he's being rude. He's, he's being rude. Inconsiderate. As a human being, we should pay attention to fear and not logic. So as a human being, we should pay attention to fear and not logic. Wait, you said to pay attention to fear and not yes. I should have paid attention to emotions and not facts? Yes. So he's asking her, so I should pay attention more to emotions than facts. I would I pay attention to emotions when... Emotions are the only things that are real in this world. Let's keep going. Facts or facts? facts. No, emotions are real. Emotions no, is one removed from spirit. I find that it is hard to trust others. You shouldn't trust the mainstream media. You should, like, start listening and looking at the media that you suggest. That is saying, don't trust knowledge, operate in darkness. No, go look up facts. Go look up, like, actual statistics. Don't trust knowledge. Can we pause this for a second, Abraham? Yeah. Whatever people experience with their emotions... If they solely stand upon that to create their worldview, that's the same thing as like, let's say if somebody is on drugs and they're genuinely experiencing that, that feeling and that experience is real to them. Now, is it okay for them to grab everybody around them and force them into their interpretation and their perspective of what they're experiencing while they're on some drugs, while they're on some psychedelic trip? This is why there needs to be some kind of standards. Let's say someone believes in this person's emotions that the people around this person must be killed. And she's saying emotion is fact. Does that mean that now this person is justified to murder the people around? And most of the crimes like that committed in society are because of emotion, not because of logic. You mm. have to realize that. Most of the evil done in the world is committed from a place of emotion, not logic. So that's the fruits in and of itself. I mean, I always think that logic is the foundation. And if you get that down, now you've proven yourself responsible to live more emotionally, right? Because we're not saying that emotions are bad or something. Research, emotion is real. Emotion is fact, emotion is real. And this is kind of where the video ends is the guy says, but emotions change, don't they? This video, I think, is a representation of what people end up believing when a culture that has previously stood for truth and for the free expression and discussion of ideas becomes subverted in their religion, subverted in their education, subverted in their media, people cease actually to believe in truth, period. Truth people. becomes subjective. It's exactly. no longer objective reality around you that you have to subject yourself to the truth around you. Now, whatever your subjective truth is, reality around you has to change to fit you. This is why we use the terms the world revolves around leftists and your feelings, right? Out of balance. Exactly. And you know what? This guy saw this coming. And unfortunately, very few people actually listen.
a society that adopts euphemistic language out of practice to the point where they will lose the ability to view things as they are, to speak plainly, because now everything you say has some kind of an undertone. And so it's all going to be feelings speaking to other people's feelings, responding to other people's offended feelings, because now language is not literal anymore to the point where people who still are the real woke and see things literally for how they are, they'll even be labeled like socially inept or autistic because it's like, oh, this guy's just so literal. Oh, that one guy, he's just so honest. And it's like, well, what does the Bible say? Your heart is deceptive above all things, but what do we hold in high esteem as Christians? Purity, honesty. So, yeah, this is why if you notice like the UGC intro, right? A lot of people, you see it. It's like everybody lives in this cold reality. And that's also designed to represent the social media world. But it's kind of this cold reality. That's why I chose the color blue when I was putting that together. It represents this coldness of people are out of touch with reality, right? And then we got that golden light at the kingdom of God, right? That's what that represents, people who are the real woke. But that blue, it also can represent what the Democratic Party has become. They're championing more and more leftist ideologies because the Democrats' colors are blue. So that's kind of what that represents. Yeah, just to give context on that. But go ahead, Abraham. Yeah. For now, I ask you guys, stay tuned. If you were convicted of anything that you heard, please share. I believe that we can be even just sharing information. You can begin to shine the light into other people's lives. Right. All right, guys, this is the UGC podcast. We'll see you guys again next time.